I'll be reading uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 29. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? If you've got your Bibles or your phones, uh, it'd be great to keep them open at Acts 10. Uh, but again, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for welcoming us, particularly from the West Ride gathering here. Uh, it's just been lovely to be able to come here. Uh, for me, kind of finally, because you know this is the first time on Saturday. And um, it's been able, just being able to meet some of you so far. Uh, 
Uh, it's been really good and uh, really am thankful for uh, Stu and the staff team uh, just being able to partner in the gospel. Uh, it really has been a great joy. So, um, uh, and so it is really good to be able to gather around God's word together. And particularly if you're new or you're visiting here today, uh, welcome. It's really great that you're here with us tonight. Uh, we've recently been exploring the book of Acts. Uh, it's an historical account recorded by the gospel writer Luke. Uh, and it's all about God's extraordinary work in bringing massive growth to the early church uh, as people hear and believe in the good news of Jesus. Uh, and so up to now, Acts, in Acts, we've seen thousands and thousands of people in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria turn and follow Jesus. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is quickly spreading further and further out from Jerusalem. And so it's at this point of the journey that Luke decides we're going to slow things down now in his account. Now, Acts 10, this passage, we only got through about half of it, but it's one of the longest accounts uh, in Acts because Luke's really uh, trying to draw out all the details of what God is doing uh, in bringing salvation in this moment in, in history. And so Luke also, I think, wants us to slow down as well, uh, to, to kind of digest and really comprehend the massive, really paradigm-shifting events that are happening in our passage today. Uh, it's kind of like a tour bus that's traveling at 80 kilometers an hour, you're just on the road, bumping along, but suddenly there's the big banana just outside, and the tour guide slows down to just 5Ks, you're just bumping along so that everyone can take your photos, you can take, take in the sight, of the banana, uh, and, what, uh, and just taking the moment, and then we're back into uh, 80Ks an hour. But hopefully that's what we can do in our passage today. We just slow down to 5Ks. Um, it's really an exciting and significant moment in Christian history. Um, so let's pray, uh, and we'll dive into the passage. Our gracious God, please help us now, as we hear from your word, uh, to see your heart for all people to be forgiven and saved from sins. Please open our hearts and minds to the glorious good news of your son Jesus and the work of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm a rookie parent uh, by many comparisons, uh, and I have recently started to become aware that my son Josh, uh, who I said was two and a bit, has recently developed some new habits. Uh, particularly when I've been holding Haley, uh, He'll just be playing normally, and suddenly the tub of Duplo is just emptied out, just across the floor. The trains, the train tracks are just like, you know, just thrown across the room. And the soft toys, it's, it's like a college party has just happened in the living room, and they're just, you know, just everywhere. And it, it's crazy, and I'm just like, what just happened? Well, I was gone for, you know, one minute. Um, and perhaps I'm just thinking, sensing that there's a feeling of favoritism slash jealousy slash wanting more attention, something along those lines. Something's up. But, but it is kind of a strange experience, isn't it, when favoritism occurs uh, when, uh, and we're not the ones that are actually being favored, uh, when we're the ones on the outside, a bit on the fringe. Uh, in other scenarios, perhaps it's the teacher when we were at school, 
who has a few favorite students and we feel a, bit, a little on the outside. Or at school, kids that have their favorite friends and they want to hang out and sometimes we might not be part of that. Or maybe at work, uh, our bosses and our managers favoring certain colleagues, employees, and we get overlooked and, and we feel like we're on the fringe. Uh, I'm sure at one stage or another, you've had that experience of not being uh, the favorite, the experience of being on the outside. Uh, and it can feel pretty awkward, right? Uh, a bit jarring uh, kind of experience to realize that others are favored over you uh, and that you are kind of out this way. But today in our passage, uh, we get to rest, slow down and rest and rejoice in the fact that God's character is actually quite the opposite. Uh, even though we will see that we at one stage have been on the outside, we're going to also see that he is a God who shows no favoritism in his desire to see people saved and welcomed into his family. And today we get to consider how we might be encouraged to appreciate the immensity of this salvation uh, that we were once outsiders who have now been welcomed into God's family and how we might be strengthened in our faith to share the good news of the gospel to others. So today in Acts 10, uh, we're going to see that because God does not show favoritism, uh, there are three things that will be helpful to point out, uh, we are invited to come into his family. Uh, and secondly, that we are forgiven through believing uh, in the good news of Jesus. And thirdly, because God does not show favoritism, that those who believe are gifted with the Holy Spirit. Uh, God in his work of saving pe a people for himself is a God who does not show favoritism. Uh, outsiders are invited in, and all are welcome to come into God's family through faith in Christ. Uh, so let's look at the first uh, point, uh, being invited to come into God's family. So as Luke slows down, there are two key things to notice uh, from, read from the reading we just heard about being invited into God's family. And the first one is that it's fully God's work, his divine will, that outsiders might be invited in. Uh, look on with me, uh, and let's kind of build up this picture together. Uh, in verse 1, uh, even though Cornelius, uh, the centurion, is a devout man and he fears God, we notice that he's still a Gentile, a non-Jew. Uh, so in the eyes of the Jews, he is an outsider. He is dirty and he's unclean because Gentiles would eat and touch unclean foods that God in the Old Testament laws in Leviticus that he, he would not allow. And so in the eyes of the Jews, Cornelius, as devout as he was, a God-fearer as he was, was unclean. But then in verse 3, God clearly sends Cornelius a Gentile, a vision, honoring him, giving him divine direction. And we might usually just kind of glance past that, oh, Cornelius had a vision. But this is really like out of the ordinary. This is a Gentile who is receiving a vision from God. God is at work here. And then we cut to Peter in verse 11, a Jew and a disciple of Jesus. And God sends him an amazing vision. The heavens open up. And even with Peter, you know, while he's all confused, he's trying to work out what this vision actually means. 
Uh, we see that it's the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, in verse 19, who directs him to go without hesitation and follow the messengers back to Cornelius. And it's God, in verse 28, who opens Peter's eyes and shows him the actual meaning of the vision. Now, all of this is fully God's work. And as we, as we build that picture, doesn't that bring great encouragement, a confidence even, as we see the good news of Jesus going out? It is fully God's work and his will. The second thing to notice is that the tension and the confusion that we see in Peter's experience, there is a real confusion here. Uh, and it's, it is kind of weird. But look with me in verse 11. It says, He saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Why is it uh, that as Peter refuses the Lord, uh, why is it that Peter refuses the Lord's command to kill and to eat? Well, it's because, because of those unclean food laws that we talked about that separated Jews from Gentiles, those Old Testament laws. These were unclean animals. He's not meant to touch them. And from a Jewish perspective, he is 100% right. He's just trying to be obedient and consistent with those laws. But in God's work and his divine will, Peter, just as he wrestles with what is going on here, he's actually forced to acknowledge that God has the right to redefine what is clean and what is unclean. And so that moment in verse 28, and also later on in verses 34 to 35, Peter then truly understands the vision. And as he does that, we see that God's will and what he is doing here is massive, is huge. It was no small thing that Peter would actually cross such a deep religious, social, and cultural divide. Now imagine, just for a second, growing up as a Jew, taught your whole life that Gentiles are unclean, you're not to engage with them, you're not to touch them, you're not to speak with them, you're not to go near them. And then suddenly, one day, from this vision, you're being called to cross that boundary and come in contact, enter the house of a Gentile to tell them the good news of Jesus. It is no small thing that a Jew has, would go to a Gentile's house to do that. Uh, and even just to internally process all of that would have been a struggle. I, I think his brain would have, you know, just kind of blown a fuse or something like that, like just to try and understand what is going on here. But why should this encourage and fill us with thankfulness? Well, it's because this is the moment that reminds you and I that as Gentiles also, we were once such distant outsiders to the promises of God. But at this very moment in history, God shows no favoritism and he invites us to come to him. Uh, some of the best invitations that I've received uh, are the wedding invites of kids that I once led and read the Bible with at youth group. 
except they're like suddenly they're no longer kids. <laughs> they're actual adults who are getting married. Uh, they're doing their adult things, you know. I remember last year, amidst all the COVID craziness, uh, being invited uh, and attending one of these weddings. Uh, and I hadn't been in touch with these, I, I keep thinking youth, they're not youth anymore, but um, this couple for such a long time. Uh, but to have been invited and welcomed to the wedding, despite the distance and despite the time, uh, was something we really gave thanks for. And we really felt loved and, and felt that friendship there uh, was, was enduring. Uh, there is something about being invited in, uh, whether to a wedding or a party, someone's home for a meal, that shows you that you're known, uh, remembered, loved, isn't there? And this is absolutely the case when God says to us, all are invited, Jews and Gentiles, because, because God doesn't show favoritism. And because of that, you and I, as Gentiles, are also invited we are known and loved and invited to come into God's family. Uh, and I think because no one actually likes to think or to remember themselves as being outsiders, it's sometimes really easy for us to forget or to ignore that as Gentiles we were once actually very distant from God uh, and, and distant from being his people. And so for those of us who follow Jesus, uh, remembering that we are Gentiles, uh, be encouraged and have confidence that you are welcomed, invited, and that God, as Ephesians 2 says, has broken down that barrier so that we might be able to be part of his people, be part of his commonwealth. And in light of being saved from our sins, there is no favoritism, no barrier, whether Jew or Gentiles. Uh, and friends, if you're here and you're still exploring Christianity, uh, this is definitely something also to rejoice in. Because as we're going to now see, not only have we as Gentiles been invited, but we've been given the great opportunity to respond and to be forgiven by God through believing in Jesus. And so we're at point two where we are forgiven through hearing the good news and believing in Jesus. Uh, if you read along with me, verses 34 to 35, it says, Then Peter then began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Because God does not show favoritism, uh, because God does not show favoritism, sorry, non-Jews from other nations, like Cornelius, who feared God, who was devout, and who sought to do what was right, they were accepted and welcomed now on the same basis as Jews. But Peter still wants to be clear that we must still come to God through Christ for salvation. And the, and the really beautiful and mind-blowing thing that this passage has shown us is that now everyone can come to Christ. In verse 43, Peter says, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And how beautiful is that good news that is proclaimed in this passage all the way from verses 36 to 43. We don't have time to completely go through all of it, but whether you're a Christian or someone who's still exploring Christianity, um, let's slow down here. Just hear and rest in these gospel truths of Jesus. Peter, as, as Peter tells these gospel truths to the Gentiles there, Jesus is the Lord of all, 
Lord over all people and all creation. Jesus was the one God anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus died for you. He was hung on the cross for your sake. But God raised him on the third day. He conquered death, and he appeared to his disciples and other witnesses that they might see him. And God has appointed him to judge the living and the dead. He will bring good and right justice when he returns, and he will judge all those who have followed him and all those who have rejected him. And friends, if you're here tonight and you're still investigating, still exploring the Christian faith, this is the good news of Jesus that we believe. And you're invited and welcomed to respond. Everyone is, because God doesn't show favoritism. And so if you would call on Jesus' name and believe in him, you will receive forgiveness for your sins. For the times you have lived counter to God's ways, he'll graciously forgive through his son Jesus. And we at Soul Revival would be stoked, would celebrate and rejoice uh, at that moment with you in the new life that comes through Jesus. Uh, if that is you, let us know that you've taken that step to trust in Jesus and come talk to me or Stu or anyone you've seen up the front today. We'd love nothing more than to chat more, um, answer questions, and to do that over dinner tonight. But if you already uh, follow Jesus, you call Soul Revival home, uh, hearing that gospel never really gets old, does it? Now, in the weariness of family life, school, work, bills, keeping up with your Google Calendar, loving and serving others, isn't this good news that we can drink deeply from, that anchors us to Jesus? And amidst society's, I guess, treatment of Christians, uh, we've seen an increase, I suppose, in persecution, perhaps more subtle than in other countries. You know, the op-ed pieces in the news, kind of passive aggressiveness in social media, maybe some microaggression amongst colleagues at work. Uh, and while we want to be thoughtful and, and wise in engaging our critics, uh, we should also be encouraged here. We should have confidence that sharing the gospel isn't necessarily a complex thing either, as Peter has shown sharing to the Gentiles. Uh, but even as I said, I, I realized, you know, when I was working, it was so difficult actually to, to be a light, to be a Christian uh, in those really difficult places. Um, and so I don't take that for granted but at the same time, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of friendship and work and relationship, doesn't it? Uh, of loving others, even when it's difficult, um, that we might be able to share that gospel. Uh, and so be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Rest in that gospel and keep seeking to share it clearly and faithfully with that friend or family member or colleague that you've been praying for. And let the Spirit and the Word do the work of changing their hearts. Finally, Following on from believing and trusting in Jesus, uh, we're finally at point three. Because God shows, uh, because God does not show favoritism, we are gifted with the Holy Spirit, those who believe. Uh, these last verses reach the climax and really cap off God's amazing work amongst the Gentiles as they become Christians. They read with me in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. 
the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Uh, when I was in high school in Normanhurst, uh, our motto, our school motto was know thyself. And when I first saw that, I was like, huh? I was like, what does that mean? And actually, that wasn't just the first few years. It was just pretty much throughout high school. Um, I think it comes from the Greek philosopher Socrates, but not that that really helped me to understand what it meant during that time. Uh, but since then, I think I've at least a little bit, come to understand the wisdom of knowing more uh, about myself and my past, my culture, my family, uh, because it, it's helped me to appreciate uh, a, bit of, a bit more of who I am now and how God's made me and why I function and think in certain ways, the ways I do. And similarly for us as Gentile Christians, knowing who we are, uh, I guess the history of being of Jews and Gentiles, someone who was an outsider to God's people, uh, knowing who we are as Gentile Christians really helps us to appreciate how massive this moment in Christian history is. I mean, the Jewish circumcised believers who've been with Peter as he's been working out this vision all this time, they are still astonished that the Holy Spirit has fallen on the Gentiles. Uh, you kind of imagine for them, their brains are kind of going into a bit of a meltdown as well about what's happening here. Uh, they're just not prepared at all to see uncircumcised Gentile believers receive the Holy Spirit, be baptised, and gain full and equal status in the church. They are not prepared for that. And that's how far outside Gentiles were, how far outside we as Gentiles were. And so by seeing this kind of tension, this struggle here, it was th that it was for the Jewish Christians to wrap their heads around what God was doing in Acts 10. Uh, knowing ourselves to be Gentile Christians, that helps us. It helps us to rejoice. It helps us to have assurance in God. And it helps us to appreciate just how far we've been brought in by Jesus to be part of God's people. And so finally, as we consider the implications uh, that we've received such extraordinary and amazing grace, how can that joy and assurance not overflow to praising God, just like the Gentiles did as they received the Spirit? How can it not overflow to proclaiming the wonderful gospel to others, both Jews and Gentiles? Uh, the late missionary D.T. Niles says of Christians who have tasted the goodness of the gospel, we are never more than poor beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. Uh, and I think that is very true of the Christian experience of having received the gospel, uh, what it means for us then to be able to share that with others. So as Gentile Christians have been welcomed and forgiven in Jesus, let's keep seeking to share the truth and love of Jesus uh, with our friends and family. They might respond to God's in invitation and call on Jesus for forgiveness. And God invites them to come and desires them to believe in Jesus. Uh, and let's keep praying and helping one another to do that. 
Perhaps over dinner, you can share about a friend or family member uh, that you've been hoping that you could share the gospel with, the good news of Jesus with, and that you can pray for that person. Uh, it was great that we could actually do that uh, just even before um, the service. Uh, and finally, there's also the encouragement as we reflect on how God's character of not showing favoritism, how that leads to bringing together two very different cultures, two cultures that were so separated and unites them into Christ. Uh, it, it's an encouragement, actually, when I, just even coming to Soul Revival, being able to see that practically demonstrated, uh, the unity that comes from being able to share in food together, uh, being able to spend time together, being able to just not care about time and just spend time, that time together. Um, that has been something that's been really different for me and I, that I've been really encouraged by and that I, yeah, really want to um, encourage you to keep doing. But that, it is, that is what it is to share the truth and love of Jesus. And that unity caused us to do that. Uh, as you know, culture to culture, person to person, place to place, generation to generation. Uh, and there's probably no better time to, to be more focused in doing that than Commitments Week. Uh, what a great opportunity to be able to do that, uh, whether that's to invite friends over to uh, the next gathering, uh, over food here at the factory, or whether it's in your homes. Uh, what a great time to be praying and thinking of our non-Christian friends. Uh, but I'll, I'll finish there. Now let me pray. Gracious God, thank you for inviting us as those who are outsiders into your family. Uh, please move us to respond to the good news of Jesus in faith and trust. And we pray that uh, that um, good news might overflow uh, into praise and proclaiming of your Son. Please let the joy and assurance of salvation uh, move us to be a people who want to share the truth and love of Jesus uh, to other peoples, other cultures, uh, those people that you have placed in our lives. And we pray that your spirit would be the one who does the work. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.